Hello, you are listening to the Plumfield Moms, and this is Plumfield in Person. Welcome, friends. I am Tanya Arnold, your guest host at Plumfield Moms today for our now annual date of the podcast. Yay! Yahoo! (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was thinking it was kind of humorous. We were talking with our library ladies, and you were mentioning that we were going to be doing this state of the podcast, which we did last year. And Christy questioned it. Now, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And Sarah, you, you, reminded her of what we had done and she was like and she said oh yeah that was like a hundred yeah. years ago <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you know she's been saying so much and lately wow that was last year look at how different everything is <laughs> I can't imagine how different it's going to be next year and she's right mm-hmm. it's wild yeah and so here we are a year has gone by and we're ready for a lot of new Yay. things Right? You know, I'm reading Resistance right now by Jennifer A. Nielsen, a book that, Tanya, you made me read, and I love it, and I'm doing <laughs> yeah. it for a book club in my library. <laughs> and she says, in the, somewhere in the first chapter, this was the beginning of my third life. And then she goes and explains, you know, her first life was her childhood, her innocent childhood with her family. And then her second life was the day that the Nazis kicked them out of their house and made them live in this arranged housing. And then the thir- the, the first day of her third life, was her beginnings in the resistance movement. And I was thinking, as we've been thinking about this episode, how much it's like, how many lives have we lived this year? Like the kinds Mm -hmm. of programming that we've rolled out this year, we keep wearing different hats. And I feel like we've been living different lives or different incarnations of who we are. And I kind of have forgotten everything we've done. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I can look back over my lifetime even and and have a very similar Mm -hmm. feeling of even times where I felt like life felt idyllic Mm -hmm. and times when life felt harder Mm -hmm. or I was called into a new season to do something new. And for the three of us, even the last two years have been a very new season of Mm -hmm. focus, focusing on our gifts, our talents, and the service that we want to do for others. And how do we be a support for moms who are coming up in the trenches where Mm -hmm. we've been and how do we look forward for that? So all of these things have been stirring. Well, Tanya, I didn't really know you two years ago. At all, really. (laughs) And now look, we're such good friends. We've stayed in a hotel (laughs) together. (laughs) Yes. We have daily conversations and and so much meaty Mm -hmm. conversations, Mm -hmm. right? It's always all of our conversations are surrounded inside of an idea, of a topic, of something we've read. And that is so life-giving. Yeah, absolutely. And so it just, I feel so fulfilled. And I hope that we can share that with other women and other moms, that they can be coming into conversations with us by reading with us or coming along to the podcast mm-hmm. with us and feeling so fulfilled that they can then take on the stewardships that they have in their yes. lives, right? Like that's kind of the whole point and goal Amen. and purpose of everything. The the separate projects we have together and the ones that overlap. Well, and there's not a ton of so, separation between our projects anymore. <laughs> and yet there is, obviously. Right? Right. But our two our two <laughs> brands both because you didn't say at the beginning, in case our friends are new and don't know, Tanya 
is the co-founder and co-creator of BiblioGuides, and they are just our bestest friends in this work that we're doing together. Our two brands, Plumfield and BiblioGuides, are completely different from each other, and yet very much two sisters in the same mission. And so we we overlap constantly in really meaningful ways. And we're better because of you. And I hope that you're better because of us. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> amen. So let's dig in. Let's talk about for just a minute what you've been doing this last year, because you guys have both actually had some really big changes in your <laughs> ties to your mission, but it's in your personal right. lives, right? So you have some things that you're doing on a bigger scale that can help like with the podcast that are helping a lot of women, but also just in your own communities. Yeah this project is now tying in. So what have you been doing over the last year and how is that kind of leading you to where you're going in 2024? Well, Diane, isn't it interesting that for almost 10 years, we have been writing, reading together, writing together, talking about books together and using our gifts and talents in ways that we hope are helping and blessing others. But that was always online. Mm -hmm. And then this year, everything got real. (laughs) We we met each other for the first time ever, and Tanya too. And it's like everything we've been doing in our online world started to invade our real world. (laughs) And for (laughs) uh, me first, I started a library and then Diane started a library. And so all of these things that we've been doing, they They've, be, they've started to live outside of this nice little box that we've had them in. And it's very, very messy, but very, very beautiful and life-giving. And it has definitely influenced how we view Plumfield. Because we can only divide yourself so many ways. But at the end of the day, if, we're, if we believe that we're called to library work, then we also have to figure out how that how Plumfield supports that and how the library work influences Plumfield because Plumfield is our first baby. <laughs> the second baby can't, you know, throw the first baby out. They have to they have to cohabitate in the same family and be happy together. To go along with that, there are all these separate things, but we talk all the time about how everything we do has to do double or triple duty because of that. Because there's the library mm-hmm. and there are your book clubs and the things that you do with other homeschool moms, the things that I do with homeschoolers. So teaching Mm -hmm. a class and doing a library and working on projects or whatever it is, when nobody has time for 12 different books going on all the time efficiently, I mean, I could do that, but I'm not getting any work done. Right. Um, And so in order to make them the work work for us, we have to make mm-hmm. sure that it's all focused in the same direction. Well, and there's an, an accountability in the work as well that if we're saying something on the podcast, we always want it to be road tested in the real world. And we don't want to put anything out in the real world that we don't believe is fundamentally solid. So the reading and writing we do for the podcast helps us to shape what we're doing, you in your program classroom and me in my library programming. And then that stuff then comes back and lives another life or another incarnation on the podcast and on the Plumfield website. And so these things are, if, if one thing is true, they all have to be true and they all have to be true together. And so they strengthen each other and we were able to test ideas and grow ideas and learn from them and see connections we wouldn't have been otherwise able to see. But, you know, when you said 12 books, you know, that back in the old days, 
for about 10 years, I would read 10 or 12 books at a time. And I was really chasing breath more so than depth. Not to say that I didn't read deeply, because I do believe the more that you read, the, the better able you are to read deeply, even if you're reading quickly. But now we, our brains just don't tolerate that. We're, we're only reading a half a dozen books at a time. Yeah, it's because... cut down about half, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we, we need to be able to focus more. And we need to be able to read things many times. When we bring something to the podcast, unless it's in our reading life where we're talking about what we're reading for the first time, if we're bringing something in in form of any kind of programming, it's something we've each read multiple times. Kind of what I'm hearing is that it's very circular. Mm -hmm. So when you were Plumfield Moms and you were reading and reviewing, that's one of the ways that I first found you and you didn't know (laughs) that I had found you. And I was reading, right? I was reading the blog. And then there was a period where life happened and you guys weren't reading Mm -hmm. and reviewing. And one of the first things I said when we started connecting and working together was, why, why have yeah, you stopped? I need gonna, you to come back you to You need that. to read now, honey. <laughs> yeah, the time has come and I, I'm missing, like, I know that people need this and people are reading You were like, it. Um, you need to catch up so with then, me now. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's time to come back on board. <laughs> I've caught up. Now you need to get going again. <laughs> chop, chop. Um, as we say at our, at our home, skirt, skirt. Like, get going on that. <laughs> so but then you're reading and you're reviewing and we're introducing you to these library Mm -hmm. ladies that we love and we're introducing you to Mm -hmm. biblio guides and all of these things then start to create this bigger picture so to me it's almost like looking at a painting and seeing here's Mm -hmm. a tree here's Mm -hmm. a boat here's a lake but all of them were disparate items but then stepping back and saying these things actually create a picture together and so what we need we need this picture to also be visible and available for other people to see and for them to be able to interact and get and apply in their own lives some of the principles that we're seeing as being so important. The principle being reading for yourself, yes. reading with yes. a friend, reading with your children, implementing it into a homeschool. Yes. Fine. And then we, we were also wanting to say we all want to have personal libraries. We understand the value of a personal library. Many of us grew up with powerful personal mm. libraries. But then we're what we're saying, how do you apply that library and put those books to use? Because we aren't collectors. I, I'm so glad you said that. I want to go deeper with that in a minute, but keep going. Okay. So we're not collectors. We are saying, put these books right. to use and get them into the hands of the children. How do we meaningfully right. do that? And then how do we look at the things we're already doing? Diane is teaching classes mm-hmm. for children. I can't touch a lot of children, but a few more and also for the benefit of my own child. Right. And so we were looking at how do we get all of these pieces together to make this beautiful masterpiece? And over the course of the year, we started our reading mm-hmm. life. You started our librarian mm-hmm. life. You both opened your own lending libraries in your own yes. communities. You started the card catalog. Yes. And I was watching you, Sarah, as you were building your lending mm-hmm. library, that you were making it more than a lending library and making it a yes. community. And you were adding on a history club and a literature mm-hmm. club. And I said, well, do I that. want to do Sarah, that I want too. that in a box. <laughs> put that, put that again, in a box yeah. for me. And again, so then again, I came <laughs> yeah. to both of you and said, okay, so 
it's time because and Diane has both of you have this expertise in teaching literature because we were classroom teachers. I think that's something people don't know about us. We were both classroom teachers. So we have both taught many ages and stages. Now, you don't need to be a classroom teacher to be a homeschool mom or to have a lending library or to have a book club. But because we were classroom teachers, we have a certain intuitive understanding of mechanics in terms of how you convey an idea, how you unpack an idea, how you um, bring the dynamics of all the different kids into play, where and how to make an idea come to life in the setting of a classroom or in the setting of a small group of children. And the group setting here Mm -hmm. is key. And I think there are a lot of moms that would like to have a group setting for their child. I know for me, I was looking at my child and recognizing that I might be getting a different response from her and a more powerful experience if I could create a small group environment, not a big group, not something overwhelming, but something where she felt connected to the other children, but where they could all share ideas Mm -hmm. together that I might create something different for her. And I really wanted that. And I started meeting some women who were finding themselves kind of in the same space where they were having children who weren't maybe connecting to stories in the way they dreamt Mm -hmm. and hoped that that would be happening. And thinking that if they had another mentor and this different environment, that we could get buy-in in a way that we maybe were having difficulty doing for on sure, our own. For sure. And that's what I was that seeing happening in your, peer pressure. In your yes. library. Mm-hmm. Yes. In, a, in mm-hmm. a really good way, which we see playing out in the real world as adults in our right. reading life. Yes. I- <laughs> right. Like, And it's the same it for is, children, right? Is. And the beautiful thing about our reading life is that there's no script. There's no plan. And I'm not saying that women getting together and reading on a plan is a bad thing. Goodness knows. I think that's an excellent thing. Um, we, we, I've been doing it for years. I love it and I believe in it. But the beauty of our reading life is that it's four women who get together once a month and say, hey, what are you reading? Oh, no. Now I'm reading that too. <laughs> <laughs> and that positive peer pressure then has this trickle-down effect into everything else we're doing because what we're reading when we are able to discuss it with each other, we learn a little bit better about what it is we really think about it. And it takes up more residence in our mind and in our heart. And those stories are living their best life in us. Because you you were saying, Tanya, about we're not collectors. And I, I think that's such right. an important distinction to make. Because for years in this book world that we all move in, I would watch these women who would move heaven and earth to find the particular version of the particular book that they wanted. And I admired them for that. And then I would go and do it. And then I would realize, now I don't want anybody to touch that book. <laughs> I spent $50 on it. I don't want anybody to touch that book. And mm-hmm. I I think there are two kinds of book custodians out there. There are the collectors who are collecting the best books in the best way, and they are taking excellent care of them. And when those books are needed, those women show up. They show up with when the publisher needs a book, and they know which librarians have it. And they, and they are willing to sacrifice their books sometimes to make sure that a book comes back into print. So God be praised for them. I have some of those really mm-hmm. rare books. Jill Morgan from Purple House Press. I gave her Leaper by Robert McClung and she cut it yes. apart. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm right? so bad for it. feels so bad for you, but so happy for me. <laughs> right. And I and that's what I remember thinking. I just remember thinking, 
it's one sacrifice of a mm-hmm. single book to bless potentially thousands, thousands of right. families. Only God yeah. knows how many children will read that book now because of it. Right. Because exactly. it isn't just how many families buy the book, how many lending librarians buy the book, how many children in how right. many libraries or in how many friends loan to their friend, how many moms have six children or eight children, whatever it is. How many times is that book going to live on in the minds and hearts of kids? And they are now going to understand the salmon rush. Like it is such a cool book. <laughs> it was so worth cutting up. <laughs> Absolutely. So we can understand that, that there has been this movement to just make sure we're trying to rescue these books and safeguard them and safeguard them out of dumpsters yes. and libraries that are getting rid of them. And I was at a half price books where they were just <gasps> shredding them because they thought no one oh, would purchase gosh. them. Right. Right. They were just ripping the covers off and putting mm. them in the dump. So, you know, I think there's there's this importance Absolutely. to have an education and rescue the books. But then what do you do with them? Like, that's the question that we were right. asking. Now you have this library. And we also are not big supporters of spending enormous amounts of dollars for any particular book because we think there are just so many right. good books that you don't need to spend hundreds of dollars no. for a particular you need book. To- like, there's no story other than, like, the Bible. Even that. That is so worth it. And even that, you get in a lot of different different editions, right? (laughs) But there's just no book unless you just really want, like, again, I don't want to, I want to be careful here because I think having beautiful things is important. And I think if that's what's important to you, there's value in that. So I am not opposed to owning Easton Press and paying for it. Right. Or Mm. over my shoulder, these red Louisa May Alcott's. These are first edition prints. I paid an enormous sum of money, but the man who sold them to me knew that I loved Alcott and these were his mother's. She was a school teacher and these are precious to me. So they're in my studio. They're not in my Mm -hmm. library, but I don't feel like I need to have this for all of my books. And again, we're not knocking the women who have gone out there and moved heaven and earth to secure these books because they are safeguarding these books. And there is a, there's a beautiful, powerful legacy in that. But that's one kind. There's a whole other kind. Exactly. Because the stories have to get off the shelf and into the minds and hearts of people or they don't have value. So we're in that other camp, I think. <laughs> I mean, you know, for the most part. I loved when Christy Stansfield convinced me that library binds were the best thing in the entire world. She is not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Right? As oh, they're so they are. Come here, you beautiful book. <laughs> I love it when a seller doesn't know what they have and they're like, uh, it's an acceptable condition because it's an ex-library. I'm like, yes, yes. No, oh, you're going to give it to me for less money. I would have paid more. <laughs> Well, and not just ex-library, but particularly when they've been mm-hmm. rebound. Yes. Those are hardcore, solid bindings. We that call them the last. nuclear war bindings. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I call them the kind of books I remember pulling off the shelf from our bookmobile. So to oh, me, there's a beauty in yeah. them because yes. that's the kind of books we had when I was a kid. So I don't necessarily oh, have a yeah. prejudice yes. against them. They're still there from when I pulled them off the shelf of my bookmobile. That's yes. the point. Yeah. And they're a happy yes. memory. And that's mm-hmm. the point. They're still there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And that's, that's why. why I want them. <laughs> I do think the library has to be beautiful. And I've worked really hard to make my library as beautiful as possible. But I don't care if the books are ugly, if they're bound well and they're going to hold mm-hmm. up and I can get 25 patrons to read them instead of five. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So I think the other kind of book, I think the other kind of book advocate are these lending librarians in this style. And I think there's lots and lots of you out there, mamas. You you don't have to be a lending librarian to be of this style, but your objective is to get as many of the good books into the minds and hearts of as many children as possible. That's the camp I fall in now. I don't want like ratty tatty paperbacks if I could avoid it, but I do just want the story to live on and be come alive and be used and be read. Yeah. So for both of you, when we're kind of looking at how this organically happened, you met the library ladies, you started learning more about this lending librarian Mm -hmm. movement, Mm -hmm. essentially. And you started being inspired by this, right? So both of you started building a library while you were, I think maybe Diane started hers a little bit later. You guys can go into the details Mm -hmm. of that. But you were building the library while you were recognizing that Sarah specifically was kind of road testing how to have a lending library. And so then that created the card catalog with saying, well, as long as we're road testing this, let's organize this information so others can follow a path, which then also led to our Librarian Mm -hmm. Life podcast, which was new this year. So that wouldn't have been in last year's episode of State of the Podcast I don't think right. because we didn't. We know had it was no coming. idea it was coming. We, when, <laughs> when we did State of the Podcast last year, I had just had a conversation with my sweet friend about would I be willing and able to help her make some excellent book buying selections so that she could start building up a library in her home for her five children because she was done with the public library. And so, what was so strange and surreal about that conversation was that I had been feeling for the last three months in talking with these library ladies that the Lord was calling me to have a lending library. But when I look at Michelle Howard, who's got three libraries in two states, or I look at Sandy Hall, who's got 17 or 18,000 books, or I look at Christy Stansfield, who has a comparable number, I think, well, what was my paltry 3,000 books? Like, who, would, who in their right mind would want to come to my house and borrow my books? And Amanda's like, oh, I would. (laughs) Yes. Many, many people would. (laughs) As I have discovered. (laughs) So for me, the library began because I had a friend who wanted to build her own library and she wanted to know which books to buy. And I said, why don't you come and borrow my books? Then you can preview what I have. And then you can make a determination about what you want to buy for your own library. And... It was clear that we were going to open a lending library a couple of months in. And so by May, we were officially open. But Diane was a little slower to, to come around on that idea. Well, I had had the, the thought of having a library many, many years ago, and it just had never been time. We didn't have any place to do it. We moved a lot. It wasn't going to work out. And then when we started talking to the library ladies, I thought, Sarah's going to do it. Sarah's going to do it. <laughs> I knew she was going to do it. I knew she was going to do it before she did. Sarah just rushes right in. admitting she was going to. And I was going, yeah, Sarah's going to do it. What's that quote about fool? Yeah, that's (laughs) Well, at that same time, I was still thinking, it's not time, it's not time. Because my husband had just gotten elected to the state legislature. And we were going into a completely unknown, whole new chapter Mm -hmm. again. (laughs) new way of life really your whole life is Mm -hmm. upside down so this time last year 
we were making arrangements to go live in Cheyenne for two months. I was not mm-hmm. thinking about mm-hmm. how I was going to do a library. I was just thinking about, could I no. actually live through this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then yeah. It, it's kind of funny though, because when we were down there, one of the first things I did was go visit the state library and started mm-hmm. thinking again about um, Carnegie libraries. And I was researching those and doing some other research on the history of libraries in Wyoming and wrote some articles for um, a newspaper here. And so then I thought, this is what libraries were. This is what how libraries started, was lending libraries. And the only way to start one is to start. Mm-hmm. And that's, I always have mm-hmm. to come to that point. All right, the only way to get started is to start. I don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to look like Sarah's. It's not going to be like Sherry's or Christie's. I'm not going to have a scanner and barcodes and labels and covers and all those things. <laughs> Before I start, I just have to start. Well, and you were still yeah. not convinced you were going to start. But the way I remember it anyway is that Tanya and Sarah and we had been speaking with Christy and Sherry about how there is no universal location to figure out if there's a lending library near you. And there's no universal place to figure out how to open a lending library and what are the best practices and how to meet other librarians so you can connect. And so when did you build the private lending library directory? Was that late spring, Tanya? I have it really was hundred years ago, at least seventy-five. <laughs> well, I think it was about fifty. I think it was. In, I think it was in May. I think we were beta testing it in April, maybe, and it was in May because you used could not you tell used you. me and and so because Christy and Sherry didn't have logos, so we all had to get logos, and oh yeah, I'm a stickler. I know, about logos. and it, I'm. I think you need to. I'm represent. so glad you made us well. do that. It was. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And so Liv was so good and helped a few of us. And then I helped a few of the mm-hmm. other librarians because Liv was busy. And um, so I said, well, Diane, you you know, the thing about the, the private lending library directory is that you don't have to like be open. You could just put on there coming soon. So like, what would your logo look like? What would you want it to be? So right. I started playing around and send her some stuff. What about this? And she's like, oh, but that's see, it. I already had the name. <laughs> you had the name. Yeah. Right. But that's just part of And that's huge. Yeah. A name is important. Mm-hmm. And a name a name is yeah. almost mm-hmm. everything. Once you have yeah, a name. You're going. You know who you are. But that yeah. was really golden. Part of it is yeah. the only way to start is to get started. Yeah. That's right. I have nothing. That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it's gonna be a library. I remember when you were yeah. getting bookcases too. I remember when you finally said, Okay, we're getting bookcases and we're moving uh, things around. <laughs> yeah. Like my whole house. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. We built a lot of bookshelves between us this yeah. year. <laughs> so, so many. <laughs> so many. And I had a really fun year with both of you because, and some people may know this, some people may not, but I just like mm, to thrift yes, for you books. Do. I like and for find you to treasure. It's amazing. It's just so, <laughs> it's, it's very life giving for me. So, for me, when I need um, quiet time or a minute to myself, I have one that's about 10 Mm. minutes away, so I can honestly go and be back in about 35 (laughs) minutes because I'm pretty good at scanning Mm -hmm. shelves. It's all to say to my husband, I have, you know, I have my window of opportunity. I'm running over. And some, some times I go once Mm -hmm. a day and, and I know that sounds crazy, but everybody has their thing, but it just helps me feel Mm -hmm. refreshed. It helps. I just, 
it's clearing to my mind. It fills my soul. I love looking at new books. I love I the hunt is so fun. <laughs> but I I don't personally own need all those books, and I can't own right. all the books. Right. But I really want to go shopping for the books, <laughs> and you know, and so it was so- which ones are absolutely worth mm-hmm. grabbing. That's the magic. I do. And then I no. can't leave them there. No, no, no. That's, that's, that's like going into a, a pet store and leaving a puppy. You can't do that. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> so it was so fun to be able to shop for mm. both of you. And and this is just a testament to my love for you. Is that I would <laughs> you would mail them to, to us. Well, yes. That I loathe. I hate it with a passion. <laughs> just, it's like Tetris. It's like find the right box and a free box because I don't want to pay for a box. Oh. Figure out how everything's going to fit in and put the packaging on. Cute story. Cute story. We are in Denver at a conference where I'm speaking at a conference and Diane and her sister Kathy and Tanya and her daughter Kira and me and my daughter Greta were all together. And it's the last night and we had been shopping. (laughs) And so I'm sitting on the floor of the hotel room, dead tired, just totally extroverted out. I'm an introvert. So conferences was, that's, that's like, like a ton of energy. And I am trying to put books in a bag while carry on conversation with all of you. And Tanya's like, can you just move and let me do this? Like this, this is what I do. <laughs> I yes, let me pack that get, bag. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. <laughs> let me, let, let me put this puzzle together. You're making me crazy. I can't watch it any longer. Like, I'm actually really good at this, Tanya. I'm just really tired. You didn't see me make a move to help, did you? <laughs> I was- I know Diane was very careful. Like, and she, and Diane even looked at me like, "Whoa, you're walking in territory you might Diane's not want to like, be walking well, this is in." Two tigresses. I'm going to stand over here. I just know that that's <laughs> who that there's nothing I could have done that would have been better than watch. what you were doing. That's not my thing. <laughs> but I do have to say, I really enjoyed helping you build your library. Well, and Tanya, I started with just under 3,100 books last January. As of today, mm-hmm. I'm at 6,200 books. My library doubled. Oh, wow. And a significant portion of the 3,100 books we brought in this year, a significant portion came from boxes from you. Because you must have sent 25 boxes this year. Wow. we just yeah, There more. should be some kind of a medal for that. <laughs> it's amazing. I know, right? And yeah. I, I mailed mm-hmm. to Diane. I don't think that mm-hmm. even you, Tanya, living out in this area, sort of, can fully comprehend what that meant to me because I don't have mm-hmm. resources. Mm-hmm. I mean, to go yeah, find yeah, a used bookstore yeah. like 10 minutes away, no, two hours. Two hours is probably the closest yeah. place that I would have to go to anything like that. I mean, the one, two, and $3 books yeah. that you were able to find for us that, my goodness, we our money went so far mm-hmm. thanks to you. Yeah. And I think for anyone listening, I think the key is a, you guys have created the card catalog and the Our Lending Librarian podcast so that people can have a path yeah. to follow. And if they're concerned about how do I get books into my library in a way that's sustainable and mm-hmm. affordable, I mean, one thing is to be part of the mm-hmm. community, the librarian right. community, right? Make friends we all with sell people. To each I think other. there are people that are willing mm-hmm. to help and sell and to really each other, fair, help each other. Like, Ways to support each other's mm-hmm. library type prices. Nobody here. These are not booksellers who are gouging. These are librarians selling to librarians. It's a whole different culture. When I was still sort of contemplating whether or not to go ahead and do this, knowing that I had nowhere to go get books that was convenient and inexpensive. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if it was Christy, maybe, but said, you decide to do it and they'll show up. 
And within yeah. a few months, I had been to yes. two different huge book giveaways. Right. And, and that's Michelle Howard mm-hmm. who said that. And I think, you know, as sort of the godmother of the private lending library movement, her saying that, and, and I know that Liz Cottrell and Emily Kaiser said that as well when we interviewed them. Um, I think everybody sort of like heard Michelle's testimony and it, it has really borne fruit in all of our lives. Every librarian we have talked to has said the same thing. It's like you you open the door and I, I think it was Michelle who said, you would be astounded how much God cares about these libraries because everything that mm-hmm. happens for them is miraculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, but it is also just, I, if you had told me last year that we were getting ready to spend $8,000 out of our budget, my husband and I would have laughed you out of the room, laughed you out of the county. Like we don't have $8,000 to do that. And yet the Lord works in mysterious ways. We didn't have a big donor show up or anything like that. It's just my husband began to see the beauty of what we were doing and he started moving money around inside of our budget. And one thing led to another. And God just makes it possible because he really cares about the souls that are being formed in this library community. And I, and I, when I say this, I don't want anybody to think that we're excluding anybody who doesn't have a private lending library. That is not the case. We think that the private lending library is like the, the role you grow into, but there's a lot of really faithful book buying and, and book supporting culture along the way um, that, that supports that. Yeah. And it doesn't, your library can be small. So small. It doesn't have to Mm -hmm. be huge. It just needs to have some good books that people can have access to. And I think God does absolutely support. And oftentimes if you're paying attention, it's even more obvious. I've had it happen. A a specific thing happened to me so many times, so consistently Mm -hmm. that I know God's hand is in in the work of what I'm trying to create. But what will happen is I will be working on a particular book or learning about a particular author or feeling like I have a gap in my library and then the book will show up. And just for example, this last week, I was planning on doing studying Monet with this group of children that I'm working with. And I looked at all of the picture book <laughs> biographies I own and I don't have one what? on Monet. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I was like, how did that happen? <laughs> so I thought, well, that's okay. I could get one from my public library. And I, you know, never underestimate your right. public library. There are a lot of good books in the library. So there's a lot of various things that are available. So I thought, well, I'll just go to my library and get one. But my husband and I were going about an hour away for some errands we had to do. And I said, you know, like really close to where we're going (laughs) is another store. So we could just stop there for a, you know, 10 minutes. Like I can, I can be in and out in 10 minutes. And of course he, he loves me. So he's always like, okay, we'll go do that. (laughs) And I walk in and literally walk out with a picture book biography of Monet. It was the only book I purchased. And I just thought, it was it it showed just when up you needed it when I needed it yes and I said to him oh look I just was needing this today and and he knows because I always tell him mm-hmm. when it happens mm-hmm. when I was focused on an author and then I found the book or I was focused on something and I and I was feeling a need for it and but I put myself out there I did the work I was looking at all my different options and then here it shows yeah. up and I just God he is, is there, so there right? well I will never forget this summer I said to you 
Tanya, I really, I have a couple of kids who would love John Hendricks, The Faithful Spy. And I said, and I've not been able to find it and it's kind of pricey. So when you're looking at the thrift stores, do you mind just keeping an eye out? You're like, Sarah, honey, that is a big ask. You're like, I will look, but I assure you, I never let that one sit. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Two weeks later, no, one week later, you're like, Sarah, look. Yes. <laughs> it was a big ask because I said never. that one never shows never. up at thrift stores. Yeah. <laughs> and then it yeah. was there. And you know, I had... There was a similar experience where you were hoping to have some Carolyn I was Haywood just about books. to talk about that. Go for it. <laughs> so I haven't shopped on eBay for oh, probably I'm two so years. About this. Just because I'm focusing on the thrift store books and what God yeah. sends that way and just keeping it really tight mm-hmm. on the budget. And I got a notification from eBay that came up on my phone that said, I, I think I follow Carolyn Haywood as so do I and I didn't get this notification this is what is very unsettling so I was sitting somewhere and thought oh that's interesting I have a minute to look at that and I clicked on the notification and it was a lot lot. you know so Mm -hmm. multiple not just a lot but it was a (laughs) lot (laughs) of of numerous ones some that I didn't even have Mm -hmm. in a library bind and it was Asking kind of a high price, but not super. It was like maybe. affordable, even at the price that it was. It was, it was affordable it was at the too price much that it for was. Me, for like but seven it was or eight bucks. Priced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it said best or offer. Best offer. And I sat for about two seconds and sent it to Sarah and just said, "I know, like you're not buying books, but I don't. I, I just really don't think you should pass <laughs> this one up, and I think you should make an offer." And after counseling and your family discussing it, you guys mm-hmm. made an offer. You sent the seller a lovely note saying, this is for yeah. a lending library. This is what I'm doing. All the things. And Within he accepted an it. And I just thought, it, mm-hmm. it, yes. And it was, and you and you said to me, he's not going to accept it. And I yeah, said, he oh, was he asking is. like $75.99 and I is. offered 50. And eBay even said, if you offer mm-hmm. 60, he's likely to take it. And I thought, I can't, I can't. I know that 50 is what I have. That is what I have. That is the sum total of what I have. And yeah, they already arrived. I didn't hear the end <laughs> yeah. of that. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh no, he'll he's oh yeah, they're here!" <laughs> Yay! One of them Yay! was trashed, um, but it's okay because it was um, Eddie's Green Thumb, which is super easy to find. You can find Eddie's Green Thumb anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, but the ones that I didn't have were in excellent library condition. So I was delighted. Yeah, so I just I feel like for moms that are out there and listening, you just is you take a step into the darkness and you walk in some faith. And what needs to happen will be provided in a timeline that makes sense. And maybe not everything you dream of, right? We don't always get to make our wish list and have everything on our wish list come. But I think the things that are supposed to come, come. And I think the beauty here is that no one has to walk alone. Mm -hmm. So you guys have started the podcast. There's the card catalog. And then inside of that, so now you've both started Mm -hmm. these libraries. And Diane, yours is, I know that Sarah's is open and functioning and yours is open and you have people coming to your library as well, but right. you're on a smaller yeah. scale. I have a Sarah. few patrons. Yeah. A few. But I also love this because I think people need to see there are so many different yes. ways mm-hmm. to serve with your library. And it doesn't have to look the same. In fact, it's better that they it's don't. It's better that it be exactly what it's supposed to be for the community that you live in. That's what it's supposed to be. Yes. And it might be Diane's where it's in the front room of her house and she has the, well, how many books do you have, Diane? 1,500? On I sixteen hundred on library thing, yeah. 
1600 in your library mm-hmm. thing catalog and they you have you know a handful of patron families and they come kind of by appointment and then you've got the madcap chaos that is mine with 27 families <laughs> and programming one to two days a week i have 30 to 40 people in my house at a given time at least once a week it this is what our relative communities need and we are the librarian that our communities need. That's, I think, the thing that people need to know is that whether you are a librarian or planning to be a librarian or think maybe someday when that may be kind of be nice, remember that who you are is the kind of librarian that is needed. If you are called to this work, the Spirit will has already prepared a way for you. And who you are is absolutely enough. It's more than enough. It's excellent. And if there's some deficit that you can't provide that's a true deficit, God will raise up somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I always that. say I wouldn't be sad if there was another library on my street. I feel no sense of competitiveness at all because we're going to have different books and then we could have been in a library alone. <laughs> <laughs> and there are enough mm-hmm. people and there there's a lot of work to be done. And you can actually, as a librarian, only sustain so Correct. many families. Like we are at the point where we're capping. Yes. Yes. So over the course of this year, this is the things that you've been doing. And maybe you thought this would be what you would be doing. Maybe you thought, we're going to read books and write reviews. <laughs> we're going to have our reading life. Oh, we're doing this library thing. Oh, Diane's shaking her head. We're going to come right back to that. But no. it didn't stop, no. did it? Because God is a God of creation. Mm-hmm. And we are made to be like him and be mm-hmm. creators. And another, a new idea came, right, that kind of ties all of these pieces yeah. together. It ties your reading together. It ties your libraries together. And it's something that you're going to be launching. And there's actually multiple things, but there's one major thing that's and, going to be and launching. I would, I would add to that, though, mm, that it's, correct. it's a new project, but it's an old idea. Because really, we've yeah, both been exactly. doing this in oh. various forms for a long time. I wrote my own curriculum Even- as, a, as a homeschool mm-hmm. mom, made my own curriculum when I was teaching at the classical school. I've been doing that since I stopped teaching formally and have been tutoring. I'm always, always writing. And? Yes. You're a published author? Oh, <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> well, that went in with, I, I wrote my own curriculum when I was homeschooling. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. I wrote my own curriculum. And it, by the way, was published. <laughs> yeah, there's, that. there's that. Which is yeah. so cool. <laughs> but it, but this, it was kind of like everything is in Everything has to happen in a certain order Mm -hmm. and a time, right? There's always a timeline Mm -hmm. that we don't always see. So sometimes we're having these ideas, we're having these impressions. We don't know when that is the time to go into creation mode and launch something. And things over the last two years have just been stacking Mm -hmm. together as the next thing comes. And now you're bringing everything that you have learned and done and and all those gifts and talents are coming together now to create something that's going to bless the lives of the rest of us. Right, because it required resources as well. Just like when we started the podcast, we kept saying, we we don't have the resources to do that. We don't know how to do that. We don't have the technology or whatever. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden we did. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with what the, right. the packets mm-hmm. that we're talking about is that we kept thinking, but we don't really know how to do all the parts. We need help. We need right. somebody else to do this or that. And then all of a sudden we realized we, we do have what we need to do all of the things. I was working on this project that we are about to officially say, but it it was interesting because I went to go and look for something and I went, 
we did a book club on that. I don't remember doing a book club on the Winged Watchman. On our website, buried on our website, I had forgotten about. In 2018, I had done a book club for the Winged Watchman and had written it up and published it on our website. Oh. <laughs> Didn't even know that was there. So we had been clearly working on these things for a while. So, I, I mean, just to, to say, friends, what we're talking about here is that. <laughs> yeah, the wedding yeah. is a big announcement. <laughs> Diane alluded to it. We're hinting around it. What is the next thing that Plumfield Moms is putting on the table to bless the lives of families? Friends, since you know that we love book clubs, we are trying to make book clubs as easy, memorable, and accessible as possible. And so while we know there are a lot of options out on the internet where you could buy a kit to figure out how to do a book club from somebody else, we think that the way that we do it is really very life-giving and fun. And so... Live on our website right now, we have six book club packets that are about 25 to 35 pages a piece that will make it as easy and life-giving as possible for you to take a beloved book like The Winged Watchman or The Incredible Journey or 101 Dalmatians or The Wednesday Wars and bring that to life with a group of young people in your life. The fun part is what we thought we were doing was based on years of doing it a certain way. And then Tanya road tested it for us and (laughs) added like 20% more to the packet because of her ideas. (laughs) So in, in these book club guides or packets, you will find bookmarks that you can print and laminate if you want to laminate, invitations you can use, a journal that you can send home with your participants so they can do a little bit of note-taking while they're reading. We have a leader's journal in there that tells you step-by-step how to make use of the whole packet and how to basically like lesson plan what you're going to do. And um, some worksheet that you can send home with your kids as well if you want them to do some follow-up activity. So that's what we're doing, friends. We are we are officially now selling our book club kits, which is something people have asked us to do for six, seven years. People have been asking us to do it. Um, we've always had a couple of them on our website that were free, that were nothing like this. They were very, very small in nature. And um, these are going to be for sale, but we, there is the Princess and the Goblin available for free. You just have to consent to signing up for our, our newsletter, and then you can have that one for free. I'm particularly really excited about this because I've heard Diane talk over and over about the books that she's reading with her Mm -hmm. classes and the conversations that they're having. Then I saw you start your library and all of a sudden you're having all these families and you're having a monthly literature club and you're telling me, oh, we read this book and we had this really amazing discussion and this was the outcome of that. And I thought, well, (laughs) I love literature too, you guys. Don't leave me out. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Come on. Don't let me in. Show me how to do it. (laughs) And I want to do this with kids too. And I was also just in this culmination of creating something. We're calling it Wonder Club. Oh, I love that. There are children that are seven-ish to 11-ish. Maybe for those people that do Thomas Jefferson education, it's like Mm. love of learning. It's not worksheets and assignments. It's just we want them to fall in love with, like if you're doing a Charlotte Mason education, right? Like you just want them to care about a lot of things and just kind of fall in love with stories and nature. You know, I love well-educated heart as well. The heart languages, poetry, music, Mm -hmm. art. So that's kind of, we have a full day 
that I host here on Wednesdays at my house. And I was like, I I want that mm-hmm. too. And I like stories too. <laughs> and I remember how much impact I had in my childhood. I had a fourth grade teacher who read aloud mm. to us. And I remember reading five or six books over the course of the year. And I can only remember a few of the stories. Mm. But what I do remember is how yeah. I felt. And and him, I remember him doing the voices. I remember just yeah. that time and how impactful it was in my love, in me falling in love with stories and read alouds and things like that. And then getting to high school and having this amazing mentor. I had the same teacher for four years and she just was life altering for me. I've talked about that before. But when it came to being the participant to being the facilitator, I remember coming to you guys and saying, I don't actually know how to do that. Yeah. Like I know the power of it. I've experienced it. I've sat in it, but I can't think through what the facilitator actually did to create that. (laughs) Because it's so second nature Mm -hmm. to both of you, I think a lot of times for any of us, if we have a skill set at something, if we're a professional at something... It's so easy to us that we just think, well, no yes. one needs to know. Like who actually? Well, like needs the leader's guide when you when you ran this and you're like, but I don't, I don't know what the first thing I should say to them is. And <laughs> Diane and I were like, right, really? And then we're like, oh, of course, of course. I so it was interesting because we got your feedback, and then I was leading because I friends we're road testing all of these packets. We could just crank them out. We could just do, take a two-week retreat and crank mm-hmm. them all out, but we're not doing that. We're road testing every single one of them before we put it up for press. Um, so I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to stand at this table right now and imagine I'm Tanya when I was leading my next book club. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that I, I, I would need to capture that. And, oh, I would need to know to do that. All things that I have just done through years and years of being a classroom teacher. And I had a vibrant book club community here that I led for years before COVID. And so I had to like unlearn all that stuff to think about what it is that somebody would need. So in your great humility, you made our packets better. So thank you. I know. And that was so hard because I, I messaged Sarah Kim and I said, so, you know, I, I did the the packet and, and I, and I, I told her that I was like, I, I, I don't know. Like, here's all my feedback. I don't, I don't know what mm-hmm. to do. This has great information. I don't know what to do. And she started laughing and she said that she'd had a similar experience and and she didn't know uh-huh. what to do either mm-hmm. with another book that she had done yeah. way before, you know, we were doing any of this. And I said, oh, that makes me actually feel <laughs> so much better because, you know, it's this is what I think makes it, it different because there are a lot of book packets and book yeah. guides but what is it that you know? What is it that creates mm-hmm. magic? What Because we're talking about the experience. How do kids walk away having had an experience that, that something somehow at some point touched them? Right. You can't control that right. or force that. But you want to create the environment where it's Correct. possible. That's what a lot of us don't actually know how to do. Like how, where do we start? What do we say? What are the good questions? Because there's two parts. There's here's all mm-hmm. the information. Here's all the things you could possibly discuss. Great. You get prepared as a facilitator. But then the second half is here's how to start. Here's the way to go through the middle. Here's maybe some possible endings. After that, you do have to bring Correct. you to the game. exactly. Because it is going to be you as a facilitator are going to have a special connection with those kids. And those kids are, as Charlotte Mason said, born mm-hmm. persons. 
And the dynamic of your group will be like no other group. Even from one book club to the next, it'll be a different dynamic. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And my group isn't going to look like your group because I have my kids and you have your kids and Diane has her kids and we each have different personalities. So what each of us brings to the table just is different. Plus, you're going to add one other aspect. So we've had so many questions over the years, and especially as Diane and I have moved out of social media groups other than the BiblioGuides online community at Mighty Networks. That's the only social media group we're really in now. More and more people have said, but I want more access to actually pick your brain. I actually want to be able to speak to you about these things. How can I do that? How can I be reassured that I'm doing this right? And so our plan this year is that um, not in the first quarter, but starting in the second quarter, we're going to roll out some live training options. Uh, We're not quite there yet. We wanted to make sure that we got these out first. If you're not sure if the magic is in them or not, we made the decision to put up an entire complete packet for free. We chose the Princess and the Goblin because we thought it had fairly universal appeal And um, it's a classic, and we love old classics. And we liked this book because it's one of the oldest ones that we've thought about in a book club setting. And it's one that we've done multiple times in real life. And it is one that used to be a packet that was on our website for free, and we've just completely upgraded the whole experience. And we thought it was a It would be a very good preview to give you a sense of what all the other packets look like. They're all a little different. They don't all have exactly the same components. It'll give you a sense of what is contained therein. So that's really exciting because this is going to offer families opportunities to have quite a few packets to choose from. You're going to launch with quite Mm -hmm. a few, but more are coming for various age groups because we're talking about, I really wanted that 8 to 11-year-old range. And you also wanted to have high school, like 12 to 17-year-old range. I guess that would be junior high, mm-hmm. high school. And of course, these have overlap. Right. You know, a junior high child can also do The Princess and the Goblin. An incredible journey can be done. And at 101 ages. Dalmatians so should be missed by nobody. Right. You know, it should be no one. <laughs> no <ever>. one. <laughs> so I'm testing all of these in my library first. And I do two book clubs a month in my library. And I tell the families I have a teen book club, which is sort of 12 or 13-ish on up. And I have what I call the Family Read Aloud Book Club. So a book that would be suitable for Family Read Aloud for most families. Of course, each family makes their own decisions. For all of these packets, you will see that we link the book reviews that we've done. If we've done a podcast uh, book club on it, if we've interviewed the author, we link to all those things. So you can get a real sense of flavor for the book and be encouraged in your own learning how to love the book so that you have ideas about how to talk about that book with young people. All right. This is so awesome. So I'm just going to clarify Mm -hmm. for our friends that are listening in. In the show notes, the Plumfield Moms will add the link to the landing page where you can go ahead and preview and browse all of the packets that are currently available. Also, if you join the newsletter for the card catalog, then you will receive the Princess and the Goblin Mm -hmm. book guide for free in your inbox, which we're really excited about coming this summer or sometime in the future will be additional training Mm -hmm. options for those of us and you know myself included who want to ask clarifying questions who might want to see a few things in action I think there's going to be some options to have further support for those kinds of things so that we all can go home and try to create some magic 
That's the goal, friends. Right? You know, in 10 years, we've never done something like this before because we didn't want to do it if we couldn't do it well. But we see how incredibly important it is that young people have good mentors in their lives. One of our favorite aspects of Gary D. Schmidt's writing is that every main character is supported by at least one, if not a small crowd, of really reliable adults. And those adults help that young person make the big jump, as Gary D. Schmidt says. And so we really see the power of you coming alongside the little people in your life and just caring enough about them to want to read a book with them and want to talk about it with them. And the most important thing is they don't care if you have a craft. Sure, they want cookies, but, you know, the, <laughs> snacks and crafts are completely optional. And there are you will not find crafts in our packets, by the way, moms. We are not craft moms, so that's not in there. Um, but we have a lot of other cool stuff in there. And all of those things are just, as, as Diane always says, treat it the way you treat a grocery store. You don't need everything that's in there. Just go around, get the stuff you need, leave the rest and feel good about it because your investment was still sound. And let the little people talk. That's the best thing. Just let them talk. It does not matter if you ask the perfect questions because the Holy Spirit will make up the difference. I promise you. It, it has never failed to show up in my book clubs. And you know what? I think that's what clinched it for me was reading The Wednesday Wars and Okay mm-hmm. for Now. There were such significant mm-hmm. people in the lives of both of those boys that was minor. It wasn't huge. It wasn't daily nope. interaction. In Okay for Now, it was the man who yeah. worked at the library who he saw once right? a week to look at an Audubon right. painting. And it was so impactful. Mm-hmm. And I thought we have the opportunities to do that in in our own way, in small ways. But the impact may be so mm-hmm. huge over the course of a child's, for their trajectory and over their lifetime. And it will not only be good for you and your child, but the children that you're inviting into that. That's right. I think that's what it was. It was the Gary D. Schmidt books where I thought I would just, who are the children that I could help? I I need to do this. Yes. Now, there won't be crafts, but there will be treats. Well, most most of the packets have a recipe, (laughs) but we don't always have a recipe because sometimes it's really hard to find the right recipe. But, But friends... If you have a killer recipe for one of our packets and you want us to include it, I'll test it. I'll cook it. And if it's great, we'll, we'll get your permission to include it. So feel free to help us out. Oh, that's so fun. <laughs> Dan, I would love to hear from you. How are you choosing mm. the books that you are making into book packets? So I'm not allowed to say that I'm just doing whatever Sarah tells me to. You can say that. <laughs> it wouldn't be true. You have strong feelings. <laughs> you know, I try to like insert myself like, hey, maybe if I can get Sarah to read then a book I- that I think should be made into a packet, then Sarah can get Diane to read the book and then we can all come together in agreement that this should be a packet. Like that's one way. <laughs> I, I think that's probably the way it has gone, even when it's just with Sarah and me, is that here's this pile of books that we love yeah and we read Mm -hmm. one and go oh my gosh that's Mm -hmm. so great we have to do that one oh wait these elements won't work or this is for the wrong age group um and sometimes it's not negatives it's positives but there have to be certain elements to talk about we had 
two books that we had on our list that were sort of similar. And one of them had a lot of information that was interesting, some history to look at, some elements that most people wouldn't have known about. And then the other one was sort of like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's a really powerful story. But what do we say? You read it and you go, wow, that was a really powerful story. So they also have to lend themselves to some kind of discussion, maybe some Mm -hmm. information for kids. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be, I hate to use the word educational necessarily, because we're not inviting them to a a class where you just sit and listen to stuff that you learn. But some of the books just don't lend themselves to a good discussion or activities and things. So... Mm -hmm. It is more of a taking the pile and paring it down in those ways. Is there something here to discuss? Um, Does this fit into a general category? Because where we have like 101 Dalmatians, maybe you did yours for an 8 to 11 year old group, but we say anybody could enjoy that. We want them Mm -hmm. to be that kind of books too, where pretty much anybody could enjoy them. Not everybody has the luxury of saying, I'm only going to have a class of eight to 11 year olds, or I just want to do 10 year olds or any, something like that. Maybe it's a family. Mm -hmm. I I would really like these to be useful for a family. Mm -hmm. When I had my own kids at home, when I taught a multi-level classroom in a school, everything had to be able to be workable for a large age range. So those are all considerations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the yes. best books yes, really yes. are. Mm-hmm. Are they not? They should be mm-hmm. accessible for a large age range. How many books do you have kind of planned that you're thinking, oh my goodness, we have this many packets in front of us? Is it 12 or 14? Yeah, we have more than a dozen that we've actually started construction on. That are prioritized. That are, yeah, and that are on a schedule. Yeah. And we have a list beyond that of 10 mm-hmm. or 20 more. We're not going to run out. <laughs> And we're going to shift. Our plan is to do about 8 to 10 for for young people. And then we we hope to shift to do Ben-Hur and Ivanhoe and some adult ones as well, 84 Charing Crossroad. Um, we want to do ones that would be really great for a mom's book club or something like that, a mother culture type. But could also be utilized mm-hmm. for older high schoolers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's like Frankenstein. We also really want to mm-hmm. support when we can, small publishers. So that definitely factors in. We're trying to choose books that are either being actively republished by major publishing houses or are being republished by small publishers so that moms don't have to like bend over backwards to get the books. They should be pretty Yeah, they accessible. need to be accessible. That's right. Mm-hmm. I think we should just acknowledge Smidgen Press's beautiful announcement today. We're recording this on January 2nd, friends. And she has announced that Little Men is coming back to life through Smidgen Press, which, as Plumfield, how could we not <laughs> be excited about Jody redoing Little Men? And so, for example, that would then sneak into our list because why would we not put all of our resources into supporting something that beautiful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, such an exciting <laughs> it is, future. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and so many good books to read. I also think. When families are thinking of a great read aloud, there are so many books out there and sometimes you get paralyzed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to make a yeah. decision and then you don't know which ones are the best. So, like I like to look through and see all the ones you've made packets for because then I just think, well, I could just start yeah, here. Exactly. 
Exactly. You know, I don't need to go think about all the book possible book choices. I can just start here with what's available as packets. And why don't I just work on getting all of these books read that I know are crumbled? Yeah, because somebody invested hundreds of hours into turning them into something. They must be worth something. Right. Exactly. And so I don't have to be thinking about all of the possibilities mm-hmm. that are out there. It's giving me a kind of a working list of for a book club or like. I love that Diane said, like, these could just be family read-alouds as well and give you some discussion points. And it's more than discussion because we do a lot of inclusion of connections to cultural literacy. Like, for example, in The Winged Watchmen, we have an entire page of Dutch terms. Like, do you know what a polder is? And then we have an entire page of wartime German terms or German-Dutch terms. What is Radio Orange? So then, of course, we have what they are and we explain them. Or why does English do the funny things that it does? And so in every book, Diane finds these funny expressions or, you know, these phrases, these words, these techniques. And she explains, she teaches. So you, mom, can go and read that and learn something cool about why that idiom exists or the way that it works in a story. And that could be enriching for anybody. It could even be mother culture. Yeah. Well, and I want to share something that I did. So I have a notebook, a three-ring binder for each mm. of my kids. And so we have a literature section. And they all filled out the journal. So on the 101 Dalmatians journal that I gave them in advance was for them to jot down um, any vocabulary words that right. maybe they didn't know. And there was a yep. character list. And for my daughter, what she did is she drew nice. each dog <laughs> nice. and cat, yeah. right? And, that and that's was kind why of we how did she did bubbles her character so list. that they could be free form. Like, yes. what do you want to, whatever means something to you. Mm-hmm. And there was an option for a mm-hmm. timeline and there was an, a rating, uh, one out of five <laughs> pause that you could, and the child could write their name. So each of the children did this mm-hmm. to their level of what they wanted, what was important to them to yeah. put on the journal. And I three-hole punch those and we, you know, I've kept all of those in their journals or their notebooks. The next thing that I did is I just said, I'd like to do a notebooking page. So we had our discussion and then we did a notebooking page. And what was kind of awesome is that in the 101 Dalmatians packet, you included a map in color from like a vintage map of Regent's Park from that time period. My kids love that. So I took that, went to that link, reduced Mm -hmm. that down and cut out for each one and they just glued that in on their page did you know they each did their journals and then um just for fun i just went and found the outline of a dalmatian mm-hmm. dog mm-hmm. that they yeah. could each trace so we had like words and they traced it i i kind of have this thing where i feel like it's good to learn how to free draw but sometimes you to want look your it. thing to look yeah. like your thing <laughs> yeah and so i think tracing is actually a really good yeah. skill as well and to kind of balance the two so i just said you know everybody could trace a dalmatian if they chose to and dot it, spot it how so they want it. you can do liver spots, <laughs> like Peredita. Yes, and some oh, kids cool. did. Yes, some kids did liver <laughs> spotted. And that was a really fun definition for them. And so now we kind of have something that hopefully we're retaining the things that was important yes, to that particular yes. child, whether it was a quote or a character or like they just were over the moon about the map. And so I had all of those resources available to at least provide mm-hmm. the children to be available as ideas to go on their journals. And I thought that was really awesome. Mm-hmm. And then that just went in their now notebooks. I feel like we need to add we'll that. have those throughout the year. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it, it was a really fun idea. And like I said, the tracing of it and then making it your own mm-hmm. Dalmatian was well, very fun too. for this particular age group. It would be really nice also to highlight that, moms, if you follow our Plumfield Reads book clubs, 
you have a clue as to where we're going with the packets because the book clubs are designed to support the packets that are coming out. Now, not every packet has a book club because the Winged Watchman is not really a book club that a bunch of adults would sit around and discuss the way that we tend to do. Um, But if we have a book club in the hopper for this year, it's because we are strongly leaning towards creating a packet for it or we've already created a packet for it. And that's the plan going forward is to pair as much of that as possible so as to give moms as many resources as possible to help them really feel like they know and love that book. This is a good moment to say, who did we have in mind when we were writing these packets? We think of these book guides or these book packets as being for the mom who just wants to have a meaningful conversation with her child about a book that they can read together. So a parent-child kitchen table book club. We think that these don't require a small group. We also think that a mom who wants to do a small group, whether it's through her co-op or she just wants to have her her child's friends over into her living room, or she wants to do it with some kids that she knows through church or through a scouts or something like that. We think this is really well suited to small group as well. We also think that this kind of packet is like a really delightful look inside of the book and could be mother culture all on its own. We also think an ideal candidate for this would be a librarian who wants to some ready-to-go book club books that they want to just not have to worry about that so that they can worry about having a relationship with their patrons, whether they're going to lead the book club or they're going to recruit a volunteer to lead the book club. We think that these are set up for that, and we know this because I'm testing them in my library. I have 30 plus kids at some of these book clubs. Now they can be done with one or two, or they can be done with as many as 30. We hope and pray that we have written these in such a way that they're imminently flexible. And if you want to know more about this book and do something fun with this book, we hope that this is the invitation that you need. All right. I love it. I hope all of our listeners are going to be excited about this too. Okay. So ladies, this is a huge announcement. It's a big undertaking and you've already put a ton of work into it. And it sounds like you have a lot more in the works and that this could go on Mm -hmm. for some time. Hope So So that's awesome to have that kind of support coming. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Is there anything else coming in this year? We thought this was relatively boring and we needed more chaos. So yes. <laughs> yes, right? There always no, has to be actually something Actually, what more. happened was Tanya <laughs> happened. That's what happened. <laughs> oh, friends. <laughs> I plead the fifth. So BiblioGuides is not quite ready to announce yet what they're working on, but we are right there with them. And there are some very exciting projects that we're working on together and kind of the outgrowth of that is another project that we teamed up with Sherry Early and Christy Stansfield to spearhead that complements that. And no, there are no packets involved with those. (laughs) But all of these things are to support creating an excellent reading life in your home for every member of the family, whatever stage they're at. And to remember Like one of the things that we strive for with our packets is to have a balance of new and old books. Even though we have a strong preference for old books, there's a lot of really Mm -hmm. powerful new books. And these projects that you're working on or we're working on with you, they also continue to honor what has been, celebrate what is, 
with the hopes that there's more coming in the future that's also really excellent. Tanya, thanks for stealing the hosting chair. I love being in the hosting chair. It's fun asking you guys the questions. Oh, is she going to give it back later? (laughs) I will give it back. Yes, I will gladly take it for a moment. And I will gladly hand the reins back over. (laughs) Okay, friends, we hope you're as excited as we are about some of the news that we share today. If you'd like to get more information, come on over to the show notes. We'll have links to the various things. We also always invite you to come to the BiblioGuides community to chat with us. Questions are always welcome there, and we want to have discussions on various things with you in the community. And it's free and open to anyone. And until next time. 